0: Well, welcome tonight to Faith Alive, part two. It's about salvation again, part two on salvation. Today we're going to speak about the divine exchange of Jesus exchanging so much of his goodness for our um, badness. And the second one is going to be the thorny question of are we always saved once we have prayed the sinner's prayer? Okay, so we're going to start with looking at the divine exchange. And I want you to think of a market in Asia, and you've probably seen them. And there's a little lady in the corner, and she's got lettuces for sale. But the problem is they're pretty bad. They've rotted in the sun, and so everyone's going past them, and they don't want to buy them. And then a a trader comes by, and he picks up a whole heap of them and puts them in his bag and pays her enough for her to feed her family. And uh, so this is just the most incomprehensible thing that someone would pay for her rotten stuff and give her back something for her family. Now, you know, it's this kind of exchange is something that is out of the compassion of someone's heart, and not for anything that they've got to gain. And when we look at the divine exchange of Jesus, um, he had it all, and he again has it all. But he chose to do an amazing salvation work for us. Now this teaching is a Derek Prince teaching, um, and uh, it's just awesome. Um, and I want to just go to Isaiah 53 first. So we're going to start in Isaiah 53. Now that's a really famous chapter. We won't read all the verses, but we will read some of it. And this is a prophetic chapter about the Messiah, Jesus. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, The word iniquity in the Hebrew language has the meaning of rebellion, but it also describes not just the rebellion or the iniquity, but the evil consequences that it brings. Um, And because of this, we need somebody to pay the price for all the wrongs we've done so we can have a special relationship with God again. And we know this. We know John 3:16. You know, God so loved the world, the whole world, everybody in it, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So, first of all, we look at Jesus enduring all the sin and its evil consequences that were due by divine justice to us. He carried them away so they might never return to us again. And in exchange, God offers us all the good that was due to his sinless obedience to God. In other words, the evil due to us came upon Jesus And in return, the good due to Jesus could be offered to us. And that's only by grace. Ephesians says it is the gift of God. It's not of works. We can't earn it. It's God's amazing gift. We receive it by faith. But the principle is the same for many different types of exchanges that we read about in the Bible. So looking at Isaiah at verse 4 and 5 here, he took our pain and bore our suffering. So Jesus received the punishment due to our sin that we might be forgiven and have peace with God. That's the spiritual side. And on the physical side, Jesus bore our sickness and pains so we might be healed. So those are the first two types of exchange that Jesus Um, made on the cross, he was punished that we might be forgiven. And secondly, he was wounded that we might be healed. So then we go to verse 10 and it says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his and though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. So here we see that Jesus was made a guilt offering or an offering for sin. And we can remember in the Jewish times that when people sinned, they needed to bring a sacrificial offering to the priest. When they sinned, they'd confess their sin over the animal, then the animal would be killed, uh, paying the penalty for sin. Um, So it was transferred to that beast who was then killed, and then outwardly there was cleansing. In Jesus' death on the cross, the sin of the whole world was transferred to the soul of Jesus, who was the Son of God, perfect and sinless in every way. So in this way, Jesus made atonement for the sin of the entire human race of those who would choose to follow him. And we read in 2 Corinthians five twenty one, For God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this is God's own righteousness, a righteousness that's never known sin, and none of us can earn it, but this is the third aspect of the divine exchange, that Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness, that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Righteousness. So the next aspect of God's amazing exchange that follows after that um, is death. So we look at James 1.15. I just turn to James 1.15 near the back of the Bible. And it says, When tempted, no one should say, God's tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but everyone is tempted when they're dragged away by their own desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So here Jesus was made death. He died our death that we might receive his life. And we all know Hebrews 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. So he died our death that we might receive his life. So the next aspect we find in 2 Corinthians 8.9, which says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Now, Jesus wasn't poor as a man on earth. He actually had more than all he needed, uh, and he gave out to others. But when he died on the cross, he became poor. He experienced a lack of everything. He was hungry, thirsty, naked, and in need of all the things to sustain life. And he did that, and then after his death, he was buried in a borrowed tomb in a borrowed robe he endured our poverty that we might share his abundance so that's the next one jesus endured our poverty that we might share his abundance and paul says in corinthians god is able to make all grace abound to you So that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. So there's a big emphasis on all there. God gives it all to us. Okay, so the next one is about emotional suffering. Jesus endured emotional suffering on the cross for us. Now, two of the greatest, the cruelest kind of wounds uh, in our society today as well are shame and rejection. And these came upon Jesus on the cross. So shame that awful embarrassment or a sense of unworthiness that cuts us off from friendship with God, or actually with other people, if we experience that with other people. And one of the common causes of this, uh, in this world today, can be sexual abuse. And things that have gone very wrong in in a dysfunctional family, leaving scars that only God can heal. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. So he was prepared to take that shame for us. And execution on a cross was very shameful and humiliating in the extreme. There was a, a, stand, a, a on a cross, naked, um, with everybody, just standing around mocking. And he did this so that all who trust him can be released from their own shame. And he wants to share with us the glory that belongs to him. As his right so he bore our shame that we might share his glory. So the next thing the next terrible wound that's in this world today is rejection and it often comes from a breakdown of relationships, parents, marriage, all kinds of different ways. Um, and for the first time in history on the cross Jesus didn't receive any response from his Father when he cried out because he was so fully identified with the sin of mankind. Almost immediately after he died, Matthew writes of what happened immediately after his death and he says, at that moment the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And this symbolically represented the way that had been opened for sinful men to have direct access to God for fellowship. That we are accepted as his children. So the rejection of Jesus has resulted in our acceptance as children of God. Jesus endured our rejection that we might have his acceptance with the Father. The final aspect is about what hanging on a tree meant back in Bible times. Hanging on a tree or cross was considered a curse. And we can read that in Deuteronomy 28:15. It talks about many curses that come from breaking the law. And certainly hanging on the cross was um, considered a cur- the greatest curse. Jesus became a curse so that we might enter into the blessing. When he cried, it is finished, he took on himself every curse of God's broken law. Why? So we might receive the blessing due to his obedience. This is really too amazing for us to understand that he would take it all when he was innocent. So there's just one barrier here between having all of this and its unforgiven sin. We can't have access to God when we have sin. And so we need to be able to recognize that in order to come close to God, we want to get rid of our sin by confessing it and being forgiven by Jesus. So 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're going to pray this together uh, and thank the Lord for this in this little part of our um, session today. So I'm going to say a little section and I want you to say it too as a a group of us thanking God for this amazing... (coughs) Salvation, that's what we're talking about, his salvation. Okay, Lord Jesus, I thank you, you were made sin with my sinfulness. Lord Jesus, I thank you, you were made sin with my sinfulness. That I might be made righteous with your righteousness. Lord Jesus, I thank you you were wounded. I thank you you were wounded that I might be healed. Lord Jesus, I thank you you died my death. Jesus, I thank you you died my death that I might receive your life. That I might receive your life. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you endured my poverty. I thank you, you endured my poverty, so that I might share your abundance, that I might share your abundance. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you bore my shame, Lord Jesus, I thank you, you bore my shame, that I might share your glory, that I might share your glory. Jesus, I thank you, you suffered my rejection. I thank you, you suffered my rejection, that I might have your acceptance with the Father. And Lord Jesus, I thank you, you were made a curse. Thank you, you were made a curse, that I might enter into the blessing. Okay, so the second part of what we're doing tonight is regarding the difficult question of are you always saved if you have said the sinner's prayer and made a decision to follow God? And I mean, I want us here to think with an open mind. Uh, You know, sometimes we can have heard things that give us some knowledge, but it's not the right knowledge because it's not backed up by the full counsel of the Word of God. So we just want to open our minds to um, see what the Word says so we don't lead off into something that's not um, rightly dividing the Word of God. God's the God that's revealed in the Scriptures. It's not about our experience or worldly input from other people who have given us ideas or opinions or preconceived things that are in our our minds. It's about knowing the truth. And it's really vital that we do find out and base our lives and our walk with God on the truth. And remember in 2 2 Timothy 3.16, it says that all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So this is where we want to go. We want to know what does the word say. All right, so can the saved lose their salvation? Um, Okay, so first I want to talk about people who follow God for the wrong reason. And you think, well, isn't there only one reason that you follow Jesus Well, actually, possibly not. There are people who can see that they will benefit, they will make some personal gain out of following Jesus, and they never come to know, really, the heart of God. Sometimes they make really great, big sacrifices for the ministry, and in the Bible it talks about people who even cast out demons, healed the sick, preached, and things like that, but they never intimately knew Jesus. It was all done out of a motive of self-gain. So let's turn like we did last week to Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. And these are the people who expect that when they die, they will be going to heaven because they prayed the sinner's prayer and walked spoke a lot of things about Jesus. Did good work. Okay, Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, that means supreme master, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many, many, will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And we look at Acts 19, let's turn now to an example that uh, is given in Acts. Acts chapter 19, verse 13. And this is these are the sons of Sceva, that he was a priest. So Acts chapter 19, verse 13 to 16. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. So it must have worked sometimes. But then there was one day. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Hmm. So another person who believed in Jesus and was very keen on personal gain was Judas Iscariot. Now he said the right things and he he was a disciple, as were the other eleven, but he never intimately knew Jesus. And he, you know, he it says that he used to put his hand in the purse for himself and things like that. And so he he was coming from a different place. Okay, so these people, unless they repent, are going to find on the day of judgment that actually. They weren't in the right place. They, they're not going to the right place because they didn't make the right decisions in their life leading to knowing God. Okay, so the second one is can we, get, can we lose our salvation by giving up? Well, this is a really big one because we all know people who used to be Christians but who gave up. And we like to think that uh, God will be merciful to them, but God is also just. And we find that over and over again in the Bible, endurance and being an overcomer is really, really important um, in um, our eternal destiny. So if we look at James 5, 19 and 20. James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you, that's you, people of the Lord's church, should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the errors of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So, you know, we it's not our job to, to point fingers and to say to people, you're out or you're in. Our job is to pray for them and to seek, to draw them back because there comes a time when the turning away um, is going to take them to, um, to death, to spiritual death. So we're not the ones to say what point that happens but we're the ones who Jesus says bring them back turn them challenge them don't let them do it don't let them go to that consequence because Revelation 3 5 says it's possible to have your name erased from the book of life let's look at that Revelation chapter 3 verse 5 Verse five says, the one who is victorious will be dressed in white, and I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. So when we see that, it, the other side of that is that it's possible for a person's name to be blotted out from the the book of life. Then we look at Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 7, and you know, just about every writer in the New Testament addresses this topic, just about every single writer in the New Testament addresses this topic of those who give up, who don't endure. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 to 7 just have to get to the right place. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who've and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. This isn't talking about little new Christians who are um, up and down in their walk and learning things and struggling with issues, but this is talking about um, seasoned, mature Christians who walked in the gifts of the Lord, who have walked with the Lord. Um, and then turn away. And this is a very salutary thing, that there comes a time when the Holy Spirit will no longer draw them, because they have already experienced the beautiful things of God, the presence of God, the power of the gifts of the Spirit. It's not our job to say when this happens, but it's our job to be um, warned that these things are possible. Um, you know, there's times when we hear about people who were very um, influential as Christians who, have now, who now say, I don't follow God and I don't believe anymore. And at that point, this, that's a very um, scary place from my point of view. Okay. The problem with some of these people is that they don't leave the organised church when they don't believe anymore, or they live a life that shows that they don't believe, which means that they are dangerous to people who are wounded or weak Christians. So we have to be on our um, looking carefully and discerning so that we can um, look after the flock that. We are the part of the family that we are part of because there's people, and you know, uh, in the uh, Paul says sometimes they're like wolves in sheep's clothing, so we need to be careful. This happens just because someone um, turns away from the life of walking with Jesus, sometimes they still wear the same clothes, so to speak. and We have to be careful. The other, no, uh, the third thing here is. Uh, you know, we need to be careful about bitter unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness is, uh, is corrodes on the inside of a person. And, you know, we have the story in Matthew 18 of um, the person who was forgiven so much by the uh, master, but then he went out and he found someone who owed him just a little bit a teeny bit of what he'd been forgiven. He begged the master, please forgive me this debt, and the master forgave him, but then he went out and he demanded his teeny debt be paid from someone else. And um, it's very salutary that Jesus says then that um, that person has to pay back all that he owes. Himself as well, and you know, bitter unforgiveness, absolutely refusing to forgive someone, um, will do open the door to all men, all manner of evil. This isn't somebody who's working over something difficult that they're um, trying to forgive, and they're working through some steps, and they want to actually be done with this and forgive. They're just finding it difficult. This is someone who. Who has a bitter resolution never to forgive somebody after what all the things that Jesus has forgiven us. So this that's a dangerous place to be. First um, Timothy four says uh, some will depart from the faith, and there's a whole lot of reasons why. And one of them will be they are offended. Let's look at First Timothy chapter four and it talks about the last days first timothy chapter 4 which we most people would agree that's where we're at right now first timothy chapter 4 the verse 1 the spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry. They order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. And it goes uh, on, okay, it's just a wrong one. Somewhere else it talks about many will depart. This here says, some will abandon the faith. And we know that unforgiveness is just one of the many reasons people get offended and they won't deal with it. And, you know, I've had somebody say to me, I choose to be offended. I am offended and I choose it. And it's a dangerous thing to do because, that, once again, it messes with your own soul. So, um, do we or don't we have... Eternal security, then. So we've said there's all these people that who turn or they drift away, uh, and you know the Word of God clearly says that there comes a point when um, God will, will say that's enough. John Bevere says this, and I think it's really uh, quite. Um, I feel it's true. He says. Jesus says he'll never lose anyone the Father gives him because he never lo- leaves us or forsakes us but he doesn't say that we can't leave because then it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be um, choice. He always gives us a choice but if we choose to get up and leave the room of salvation, so to speak, you know that is something that is our choice. And um, I think that's a very dangerous place to be in. Um, So it's not what God wants to do because he holds on to everyone the Father's given him. But we can move. That's our choice. That's part of being able to freely come to Jesus or freely not be with Jesus. So if we truly love God, It's not a real issue to us because we don't want to out. I mean, and this is the thing about relationship. We don't want out because we love Jesus. And we know in our hearts he's he's so awesome that we don't want to go somewhere else and do something else. You know, the slipping away happens little bit by little bit when we lose our first love or our second love and third love. And there's no love left and it just becomes like rules. So that's what we don't want to have in our lives. We want to hold on for all we're worth to endure uh, and to overcome. And Jesus says, with all these exchanges, I give you all you need to do it, but you've got to be plugged into me because I'm the source of power. You know, um, why are eternal judgment and punishment, the Part of the basic foundation of our faith. It seems a bit strange, doesn't it? They seem like really weighty topics. Why does Hebrews um, say that these are part of our basic foundation for our faith? Well, John Revere gives two reasons for this, and the first one is that it gives us the fear of the Lord. And this isn't a terror, this is a holy awe for who our God is. And this keeps us from um, doing things that we know are not godly. This holds us in a healthy relationship with God. So the fear of the Lord, we'll talk about that another time a little bit more. Um, If we don't have the fear of the Lord, well then it's much easier for us to compromise. Because we think, oh well, you know, so much grace. Have you heard that before? You know, there's so much grace that I'll be able to just deal with that again. I think we've all, some, it's just flipped through our mind at some time, the grace of God, and it's sort of like an excuse, but it's not true. You know, um, the grace of God is the grace and the empowering for us to be able to walk godly, It's not the covering for every sin that we decide to do, (coughs) Uh, our God will give it grace. That's not what it means at all. So we have to be careful about how we define grace. Grace is the empowerment. It's a gift, but it's God's empowerment to walk godly, to walk well as the Lord's people. Okay, so... We go back and we think about the righteous man who built his house on a rock. And so when the storms came, his house was solid. And we know that um, we need that stability of being on the rock, and the rock is for people who obey. It says those people who obey the word of God are like the man who builds his house on a rock. So um, it brings stability to know and obey. There's a real stability in our lives. Isaiah 33 verse 6 is a really lovely verse about the fear of the Lord. It says, He, God, will be the sure foundation of for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. So we want the treasure, it's in a treasure chest, and we want to open the treasure chest, we need to have the fear of God. That will open the treasure chest of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. If we don't have the fear of the Lord, well then we don't have the access to those rich treasures of God because we would treat them too lightly. And we must treat them with the honour and respect and awe that they deserve. Okay, so the second reason why it's really important for us to, um, to know these things from early on in our Christian life is because every day as we walk with God we influence other people. And so we're not just in this with ourselves, just me and myself. We actually are in community, and so we influence the people we are with. And um, we need to have a firm understanding so that we don't lead other people astray either. You know, um, it's nice to speak about blessings and prosperous, happy lives, but actually we need to be balanced about this because we need to also speak about the preaching of the cross and the price of following jesus and sometimes this has not been part of our um our communication with people but um, as we in the last two weeks have been saying is this has to be part of our conversation with people it costs to be a Christian. It's not, tack this on beside the rest of my life. It's, chuck the rest of my life, and this is the pearl of great price that I will give everything else for, because it's worth that. So that's what we have to keep in mind. So the last thing I want to do is just to... Um, Suggest that we read through, in our personal uh, devotions this week, Revelations 1 to 3, the letters to the churches. Because what this does is it reinforces who the Lord loves most. Or who the Lord is uh, going to give the prizes to, really, in his kingdom. And it's those who overcome those who endure and those who overcome. Hebrews 11 and Revelation 1 to 3, it's those who endure and those who overcome. They don't give up. They don't shrink back. They don't turn back. They are solidly built on the rock of obeying Jesus and looking in his face so that they can't be distracted from his way. So as we said before, The absolute key is our love relationship, fostering our love relationship with Jesus. If we every day foster that relationship and with each other, commune this relationship, be in each other's presence to talk about the difficult things, to pray out the problems, and just to love each other, then we will solidly follow our King. And it will not be a problem. These things will not be a problem. What happens is people have a wrong idea of what it is to follow Jesus and it leads to sloppy behaviour. And it's not godly. That is not godliness. God's calling us to be a pure and holy people. Blameless before him and he's given us the grace to empower us to actually live that way. So let's pray. Oh, Father, you are amazing and your plan is totally beyond what we could ever dream up, that you would exchange all our rottenness for so much more than we could ever begin to ask or imagine. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your grace to us. We just love you, Jesus, and we want to be faithful in the way we walk and the way we talk about you and your way as well. We just ask you now to help us this week, this month, this year, and everything that we are involved in, that we will honor you and obey your word and reflect you because you are our Lord, our Supreme Master.